Hello, everyone. A very quick one from me. It would be a massive help to us with our ambition to help as many recruiters as possible achieve their goals and also inspire the next generation to choose recruitment as a career if you hit that follow and subscribe button. If you're someone that prefers to learn in a visual way, we've also recently invested a lot in our video podcast experience. So in the show notes, you'll always be able to find the link to watch the video on our YouTube channel and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show and enjoy this week's episode. Hello everyone, a real quick one from me to introduce this episode. This is the audio taken from our recent live podcast event in London, which took place a couple of weeks ago. You're going to hear us talk about the state of recruitment in 2022. What the hell have we learned from this year? What have been some of the biggest challenges? We're also going to talk about how to thrive in 2023. What is it that people have top of mind? What is it that people are doubling down on because they think that is the right thing to focus on and double down on. We also had some really good conversation around taking our recruitment businesses to the US and how to make it a success there as well. You're also going to hear some fantastic questions from the live audience. And overall, it was a fantastic night. It was a great audience, a great panel, and we've had some really good feedback. So if you haven't been to one of these events before, this is a great chance for you to learn what it will be like. For those of you that bought tickets but weren't able to come because of the tube strike in London, then don't worry, you're going to be able to listen to the entire conversation back here. And uh, for those of you that haven't been to an event before, this will give you a real flavor and hopefully we'll see you at a future event as we plan to do a number of these next year. A final thank you to our podcast partners for this event. We have PGC Group that joined us as a headline sponsor. And we also have our long-term podcast partners, Vincherry and Sourcebreaker, who without their help, this show would not be possible. The events would not be possible. So a massive thank you. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for making the journey, especially with the tube strikes. Epic to see so many of you here. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name's Maria. I work for PGC. If anyone doesn't know PGC, we help recruitment and staffing businesses break into the US market and expand. So we have put some very subtle branding uh, around the place. So you'll all have a US boarding pass on your seats. If anyone is keen to book in a one-to-one session to hear about the US market, how to crack it, how we can help, please just scan the QR code and book in a no-strings-attached meeting. We have been a huge fan of Hisham. So when Hisham reached out to ask if we wanted to be headline sponsors, we absolutely jumped at the chance. So without further ado, please make some noise for the man himself, Hisham Aziz! Legend, thank you. Wow. First time I've had a little MC. Massive thank you, everyone, for coming and making uh, the effort, as Maria said. I know there's tube strikes. been absolute chaos. I know people have come from Manchester, so thank you for making the effort, you absolute legends. Um, I guess I also want to say, like, these events would not be possible without companies like PGC, but also Sourcebreak and Vincherry. They've been long-time podcast partners, so if you still have not spoken to these companies, like, you need to. Just to frame up how we're going to do this, 
the first sort of 15, 20 minutes, we're going to talk about this year. What have we learned? Biggest challenges? What have we taken away? Uh, then we're going to talk a bit about next year. What have people got top of mind? And then we'll have a solid amount of time for live Q&A as well, because I know when you come to these events, if you don't feel like we don't talk about the things you want to, that can be annoying. So Matt, my colleague, is going to run around with a microphone. And if there's any questions that you have for the panellists, then we'll make sure... Um, they can answer them. But let's welcome on and, and give a big hand for our panellists today, Claire, Ben and Harry. <laughs> How are you feeling? All right, there's loads yeah? of people here. Ready to go. Harry, you got your microphone, mate? You might be sitting on it. I think you sat on it. There got we. it. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so let's do a really short intro. Ben, I'm going to come to you first, my friend. If you could just, for those that don't know who you are, give us a short intro, then Claire, you next, and Harry after, and then we'll, we'll get straight into it. Thanks, Hesh. Uh, my name's Ben Broughton, the granddad of the group this evening. <laughs> I've been in recruitment for just over 23 years, started with S3, to six years there. Then I was managing director of Premier Group for 15 years. I joined that business, 12 people, took it to 130 across UK, US. Exited in February last year, saw my shares, and basically launched Primis. 14 months ago, we've gone from zero to now 37 heads, 5 million quid revenue uh, across UK and US. That's me. Happy days. Thanks. Claire? Hi. So I've been in recruitment for about 15 years, which I think, how many recruitment? It's like dog years, isn't it? Isn't it? I say, yeah, we're about 150. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I started at Faden, spent 11 years there, started when there were about 20 people, left around 800 Lived out in the States, set up our office in San Francisco, lived in New York, then left after about 11 years, took some time out, and then launched Storm 3. So Storm 3 is part of Levin Group. I launched in Feb last year, so in 18 months, Storm 3's gone from zero to 160 Mental. people, four offices globally, soon to be five, and Levin Group's gone from naught to 600 in three years. So. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Um, I reckon that's a, that's a good intro. That's good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's good. That's good. That's good. Right. Harry, last but not least, my friend. Well, it's going to be pretty, pretty tough now. Um, I'm Harry Thornton. I run sales for Rama Solutions. We established the business in 2016. We focus on helping early stage venture capital backed software organizations scale go to market teams across the US and Europe. I joined the business when we were six months old. We've scaled the business to about 55 people across the US and Amir. And we're here to build and scale the, a great business within the ecosystem that we're currently operating in. Awesome, mate. Well, thank you all for uh, being up here. So I guess let, let's just dive straight in. So Ben, I'm going to come to you first, sorry. Is this working? Yeah, yeah, it's all good. So let's just start with, and this is the, one of the only few questions I sort of sent to you guys beforehand. But like, what has been your biggest lesson learning from this year? Let's just start the conversation there. I've got two. Okay. But they're both short, so it's fine. Uh, for me, I think this applies to whether you're a consultant or a director or an owner of a business, taking time out to properly like step back and review your business. This year for us has just been fucking insane. And for me, like the biggest lesson is just you get so in depth and just your head's in the trenches so much of the time. Planning that time out your diary to properly step back and have a look at your business and strategically review what you're doing is so super important. The second one is just product and solution selling, which for us has been massive. So for us, packaging rolls up, not just looking at the ones and twos in terms of delivery, but looking at properly taking 20 rolls, 30 rolls for a client and really doing a nice wraparound, offering obviously a discount, but making sure you're adding extra value to the client on top of just normal contingency recruitment has been fantastic for us because we've locked up a load of clients, exclusive business, and it's just been, been really kind of beneficial for our business in terms of growth. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to ask you about the, that productization piece as well. 
Harry, over to you. What, what's been your biggest lesson this year? I think I'll probably speak for everyone here. 2021 was a great year for everyone in recruitment. I think everyone probably had a great start to this year. And I think there's obviously been some changes throughout this year in terms of where business is pivoting, technology, etc. I think the biggest learn for us was that you've got to keep a scalable process in terms of what you do. Mm. Don't pivot. Do not change the process, the scalable process that you follow because the market changes. We are still more than ever qualifying the candidates, the clients in terms of the markets we work in. And that shouldn't change because the market does. And I honestly believe that, you know, that to the start of next year or the rest of this year is going to be tough. And without the right scalable process and sticking to that, I think it's going to be really tough for, for everyone in the market. So just basically like really sticking true to know you know what works and staying true to that despite maybe the market encouraging you to do something else. Absolutely. Okay. Claire? You Bigger. stole my ones. No, I'm joking. Oh, okay. No, I'm joking. Biggest lesson this no, year. No, I'm joking. Um, I actually agree. Your first one, just to expand on that, I completely agree. And I, I found that really hard, the, the take, like the zooming out. Is that the, the term for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I found it really hard, I think, especially if, you're, if you grew up as a recruiter and you're recruiting, you often feel if, if you're not selling, if you're not on the phone to a candidate or a client or, or doing core recruitment activity, then you're not doing anything. And I found that really hard as I started managing of... You know, you have those days where you're actually focused on strategy and you think, oh, have I actually done anything today? And I think, yeah, I definitely, I felt that. But it's so, so important. Um, but I think the biggest, the biggest one for me, and we were speaking about this earlier, is I obviously started recruitment in the get on the, get on the phone days, get out and meet people days, yeah. right? And then it all turned into LinkedIn messaging and sending emails and there's obviously loads of good platforms that you can use now but I think what I've learned this year is especially post pandemic nothing beats meeting people going for coffee networking getting on the phone mm. and I think it's so easy to we kind of lost that a little bit for a few years and I've learned that it's so important to to go back to that and actually whilst a lot of people say how oh, is AI going to take over recruiters actually going the other way Mm. And going back to what we what we grew up on, right? I think some of the junior recruiters struggle because they don't know they don't know what phoners exactly. <laughs> but they don't, you know, going back to to get in front of people face to face, building relationships like that's that's what recruiters, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's been my biggest lesson because we 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 were not great at that for a while, and then we pivoted, mm. and, and now teaching people sales, and it's it's working. Well, you highlight five hundred grads, and we'll start on the same day, so yeah. I'm not fucking surprised. <laughs> that's a challenge. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, talking of challenges, Harry, I'm going to come to you. Let's also get your biggest challenge this year that you faced individually, as a team, as a business. What, what, what comes up for you in terms of biggest challenge this year? Yeah, I think I'll talk about the company in terms of what I think we saw as the biggest struggle this year, and it was the shift within technology. Okay. okay? And last year, COVID, e-commerce, retail was absolutely flying. So anything digital related was, was booming. And I think throughout this year, we've seen a shift within the market of what is and isn't booming. And we are, you know, started to really focus around the data ecosystem, right? Data is absolutely going through the roof right now. The same with cybersecurity. So we've changed in terms of the, the pivot in terms of which technologies are taking off and what, you know, where they're going with the business. And, you know, over time, we've seen that shift. And I think, you know, going forward, we're going to be, you know, focusing on those certain areas of technology, given the, you know, the need for it, you know, where, where, where the market's going right now. So what, so the challenge was 
Well, I think the challenge is, is the fact of, you know, the market is, let's just say it was very digital heavy for the right. last 12 months. Those industries or technologies have now slowed down. So realising the markets that you doubled down on when... Absolutely. Well, okay, You've got right. to be more technology-led than anything right now in the market in mm. terms of where, you know, in a downturn, there's always going to be another area of technology that's going to it's outperform other areas. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And that's, I think, what we've seen is pivoting the business to certain mm. areas of where there's the biggest growth right now. Okay, cool. Well, let's just, let's just talk about that for a sec. Yeah. I think we can all relate to that right now from the conversations I'm having. Just on that... What have you learned in terms of like what have ended up being like the indicators or the things that you start like pick up on when you start realizing, oh, actually, this is starting to slow down, or maybe the markets that we have always focused on are starting to, yeah, not be as fruitful. What did you find to be the sort of key indicators that started to give you that information coming back to data? Is there anything that you really noticed? Yeah, I think there's a there's a few areas. I think firstly is being really close to your clients to understand what's happening in their businesses. Where's the demand? Is PG still top of funnel, right? Are they still closing deals? Where is it slowing down? How has their quarters been? And the closer you are to those businesses, the more you understand. And you can also, you know, you can all, it's like a lead indicator of what's coming next quarter based on their performance. Mm. Companies in e-com start to slow down. Let's be honest, next quarter, they may slow down on their hiring. So you've got to start to think, okay, cool, that business isn't doing well for whatever reasons. Which businesses right now are booming, mm. right? Cybersecurity is always going to boom given the market that we're in, right? Companies are hitting you know, huge numbers every quarter, every month. They are naturally going to grow and continue to grow. So we have made, we're going to, I guess, spend as much time as we can with those clients that we're seeing that shift in terms of the market. Okay, nice. Yeah, thank you. Claire, I'm going to come to you. What, what, what's been your biggest challenge this year, do you think? I think the biggest challenge for us, so we've only been around for 18 months, right? So the recruiters, they joined in a bull market. Mm. It was brilliant. And they joined... What, what do you mean by that? Like, they just joined to make it simple. When everyone was hiring, everyone's hiring technologists. We work in health tech, right? So that's, again, a, a massive area that's that boomed since the pandemic. And they didn't... We, we, well, I set up the business basically at the tail end of the pandemic, so they didn't have to go through. The recruiters have never gone through a financial crisis, COVID. It was, and then the market got a bit tricky, probably July, August, mm. for the first time. I'd never seen it before, and I think that was probably the hardest bit of for me. I was like, "This is going to be fine. Of course, it's going to be fine. Recruitment's always fine. Technology is always fine. You come out the other end. Companies make layoffs. So what? That means there's talent, you know. Mm. You're, but you see recession everywhere, and everyone's making layoffs and Obviously, they're like, oh, God, this is... And I think for me, that was hard of just keeping them believing that genuinely, just keep... Everything's going to be fine. We don't need to pivot. We don't need to change. Just give it a couple of months. Like, and there's still money to be made. Let the other recruiters slow down. Mm. We, we will just go harder, right? And I think that was hard because, again, they just didn't have that experience to be able to reference, hold on, during COVID, the good recruiters made a shitload of money. Mm. I think that was hard because I think they felt... Hard thing about being a leader in sales is you're good at selling, right? So they're like, stop selling to me. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not. It's got to be fine. I think for me, that was, that was hard. And obviously, we're out that now. It's like a couple of months where a few clients went on hiring freeze. Mm. I think that, yeah, that what, was... What, you think you're out that now? Because the, from the conversation that I've been having, it's, it, that's continued? Like, in terms of we, the, the challenge, it's a lot more challenging than maybe it has been. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe I view it in a different way. I started my career during the financial crisis in a financial recruitment firm, you know... Mm. 
recruitment's not fun if everyone's hiring and everyone needs talent. Mm. Like, yeah, obviously you've got, but you, obviously you've got way more evidence to point out as to like, exactly. I know it's going to be fine. Exactly. But that, I, no, I'm hearing this a lot because it's like, how do you help people build that self-confidence when they've got, they haven't got that evidence to go, oh, yeah. no, I, it, it may take three months to sign you've that. You've just got to upskill, upskill. You've got to find, okay, well, let's find the clients that are hiring. Let's mm. head on from the ones that aren't. You've just got to start getting really good at recruitment. And I think that was hard of, you know, my, my really good recruiters did well, but the ones that were okay and had done well in, in a great market, that's when we started realising, right, we've got to upskill. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that does. Ben, biggest challenge? Lee's really an asset from Claire's point, which is we basically we had an amazing delivery business, right? Mm. And in the back of my head, I was losing sleep and I going, what about when the market changes? What about when the mm. market changes? So, you know, it was constantly in the thought in my head that we, you know, we had farmers rather than hunters in the business. So we just, we invested in training around 360, going out and hunting new business and, and making sure you're a full 360 recruiter, which luckily is now paying dividends. If anything, we, we left it a little bit too late. Mm. But I think now the skills to be able to go out and hunt new business is the most vital skill in yeah. recruitment right now. So if you don't have that skill, watch a few of your podcasts maybe and upskill. So basically, just to clarify that, because this is definitely what's been coming through from the conversation yeah. that I've been having. So you felt like you maybe doubled down or had too many people in your business that were only willing to do delivery or were only good at that. Totally, yeah. We have, we have a delivery function in the business. Right. We have a 360 team. But just, just my personal opinion, I've never seen a market like we had right. for the last couple of years. Like, it's been the best I've yeah. ever seen it. And now it's, it is definitely slowing down. Like so do you still have that delivery function? <clears throat> we do, yeah, because we still have a lot of delivery-based clients that still need um, people. But for me, you know, I think making sure that you're skilling yourself in the art of business development is the yeah. most important skill you can build right now. So that brings me quite nicely on to like that. That was definitely from looking at all the questions that came through. That was definitely a popular one about the current market, advice for people. So Harry, let, let me come to you on this one. I know in terms of your role, from what I understand, sales director. So you will be looking at the sales strategy. How can you get more out of your existing clients? How can you get new logos in, in, the, in the business? So I guess the, the question I have for all three of you, but I'll come to you first, Harry, is this year, what has continued to be like your most successful channel, approach, whatever? We can go as granular as you want when it comes to consistently winning great clients and great business. What has continued to work for you and your, your team this year? This podcast is proudly partnered with the award-winning Sourcebreaker. Now, I think it's safe to say that right now, the market is crazy. Continue to hear people saying, never seen the market like it. And I continue to speak to recruiters who are inundated with jobs, which is why I'm not surprised that the number one word that I'm always hearing at the moment is automation. And if you're looking at how you can enable your teams to spend more time on what they're brilliant at, building relationships, speaking to people, then you need to look at Sourcebreaker. It's helped countless recruitment companies scale more quickly, enable their younger recruits and their rookies to get better more quickly and automate a whole lot of the, the work that a lot of recruiters are probably not so good at and the work that, that maybe they don't enjoy as much. Because you listen to this podcast, you're going to be able to get an exclusive discount on the Sourcebreaker product. So if you have not already, get a demo booked in with Sourcebreaker. Use the link in the show notes. You will not regret it. If you're thinking about that word automation in 2022, you need to consider Sourcebreaker. Yeah, good question. I think there's two main areas that we're seeing right now. The first is when we started the business in 2016, we went on 
several growth journeys with high growth organizations effectively, right? We hired 20, 30, 40, 50 people for certain organizations, which naturally the VCs that were back in the organizations heard about us, right? Because the quicker they hire great people, the more money they potentially make and the quicker they may then get an exit. So once you do that with two or three companies in a portfolio, the VCs are start, starting to be interested in your business. Okay, great. Where else in the portfolio could you potentially help us? And we've been very fortunate that we have a list of, you know, five or six great tier one VCs that help us in plugging us into some of the most, you know, successful startups right now in the industry. So they'll typically introduce us to a pre-Series A or Series A organization, and we'll work with the founders to help build and scale their go-to market teams off the US. That's such a great insight. And I know that's something that we spoke about in, in your podcast. There's like a, a genuine strategy that to get it, because if you imagine if how many more companies you go on that journey with, but just on that, so what does that actually look like? Is it that you build that reputation and they literally refer you to people? Are you giving them a kickback? Like, what, like what, what's in it for them besides if you enable them to hire great people, then it makes their investment even more stronger because they might actually be able to deliver on what it is that they're planning on doing. But is it just straight introductions? What does that actually look like? I think firstly, it's fucking tough. And, <laughs> what, um, to get to that point where they're willing to put their brand on the line? I was going to say, we, so we do similar. And it, we make it sound so simple. Playing that, doing it that way with the VC route, nails. But if you get it right, which you guys clearly are. But like, what, what's hard is in like getting to the point where they trust you, building that reputation. But for sure, right, is, yeah. is having that trust of you're a good partner, right? Mm. Because at the end of the day, a VC will own 70, 80% of the business when the business exits. The right. founders will own 10 or 15%. Mm. They have a bigger share in the business typically than a founder will. Right. So they have more say quite a lot of the time, mm. of where the strategy recruitment of that business comes from. It takes a lot of work and by no means have we completed it and we've got a long way to go in terms of developing those relationships. But no, there's no kickbacks. I'm not sure that's legal. But no, it's just part of it. But no, what's in it for them is, is really, you know, the investment of hiring great people that help them towards an exit much quicker. Yeah. So they want to hire the right people for the right job to help scale that business in the right ways. And also the expertise of, you know, knowing how to build a, a US business and then help land them into Europe, etc. Mm. Not a lot of firms have the exposure to both the US and EMEA market from landing them into the, the European yeah. market. Okay, nice. Yeah, I mean, as well, let's, make, let's remember the biggest problem a lot of the companies we work with have is the talent piece, right? And you guys will know this when you recruit for your own business, that is up there with the biggest challenges. So if you can help them solve that, that's, that's huge. So you said there was a second one. What was yeah. the second one? The second one is utilizing your champions to help you go into other organizations or introduce you to other organizations. Okay. That for us is massive. A, a champion is someone that trusts you, believes in you, that has your back, that will help take you to the right decision maker within an organization to make that introduction mm. that, you know, I've used Harry, Harry's great at what he does, or Rama's great, Harry's team's great. You want to speak to them. They've hired 20, 30, 40 people for me over the last few years. You should have that conversation. Mm. All you need is a, a warm introduction to help break that because, you know, these guys are getting hit up hundreds of times a day and it's really tough if you're going in completely cold. Do you think you can only have champions if you actually did, like place them or build a team for them yeah. or do you feel like you can build champions by just delivering an absolutely outstanding experience but maybe not getting the person that they needed or the team that they needed i think you can okay i think it's really tough yeah because that person doesn't know how you operate mm. because you may have not worked with them or you may have not hired people for them so you've got to build a level of respect 
Maybe that is you have a champion that introduces you to another person and that guy naturally becomes a champion because mm. he knows someone you know. Mm. But it's really tough without delivering for them and working for them previously. Just curious, quickly, yeah. how many of your champions are internal recruiters? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious, though. I wasn't sure how that would play out. Zero. Correct. Okay, cool. All right. Claire, I'm going to come to you. Best, like, what has really worked for you guys yeah. winning new business? Similar, I think. You know, BD's BD, right? We all do the same stuff, right? And I think I agree on the VC front. I think it's a really smart way to do it. And it's interesting now, a lot of the VCs have their own talent teams, right? But they also want your help, they, because yeah. they can't manage it. They, no, you know, no, no, no. Some yeah, of the exactly. best, best VCs in the world have three or four people, and they've got a thousand mm. companies in their portfolio. Definitely. So that's an interesting one. I think I'll answer it in a slightly different way. I think we do a lot of business development. Obviously, we didn't exist 18 months ago. And I think what's really helped us grow and have a really good name in, in the market is being really focused on what our market is. So Storm 3... We only work with startups and scale-ups in health tech. So health tech are tech companies disrupting health. So like mental health tech, telehealth, femtech. I'm really strict on what we don't do. Mm. We don't do big pharma. We don't do biotech. We don't do anything clinical, medical. There's so many clients that we have where half of their roles, we could work and we could make money from, but we don't touch. Like we only do engineering, data, product, sales. And I think that really helps. Like Knowing what you do is, is important as a recruiter or as a recruitment firm, but knowing what you don't do and mm. saying what you don't do and not trying to just do everything because there's so much out there. You could do everything. And I think that's really helped because it means we're just getting deeper and deeper and deeper and therefore going wider mm. into a market rather than just going, oh, let's just do everything health. Mm-hmm. So answering it in a slightly different way. Obviously, there's lots of different techniques that we use. Like, same probably answers as you guys, but I think it's really staying true to the markets as well. We're not trying to diversify too soon, even though there could be money there. Options, yeah, nice. Mm. Ben, obviously, as you said, delivery function, upskilling people 360, what, yeah. what's ended up really working for you guys? So I think for BD purposes, speaking to the business owners in the room, when I launched Premise, we built an NED board who were all not ex-recruiters or recruitment NEDs, but industry NEDs. So we've got a guy who's CTO for SpaceX and XPRIZE on our board. And having like industry leaders on your board who can champion you to the, to the market is, has been uh, invaluable for us. I think from a consultant level, so I've launched in the US twice now, and every time we've done it, we've done roundtable dinners, drinks events, CTOs, heads of talent. So if you're a consultant or a team leader or a team management business, get a budget. It doesn't have to be massive, two grand. Get all your clients in a room, build relationships, build networks, and the, the, the value from that is just, for me personally, invaluable. Mm. So if my team ever comes to me like, can we have a budget to run an event? These are the people yeah. coming, go and do it, because that will just pay dividends. And just to make that clear for everyone, like, how does that actually benefit BD besides getting these types of people in the same room? Is it, it just equips your team with a reason to call people? It's a reason to call, but it's also, you can't build a better relationship than face-to-face. And, it's, and you know, I think that that's what's in, in a tough market. That's what pays off relationships, clients that come back to you because you have a personal relationship with them. And for me, you know, there's also an argument of building automation into your business I think that's a completely separate topic but Mm. I think the personal relationship and getting in front of people massive dividends for your business okay cool so let's move this on a bit then so I had a question just to sort of round like this year off we may come back to it but a question from Cherry Swain and that question was Ben I'm going to come to you if if I may and that was what was the most impactful thing you did for the success of your business in 2022 
One thing. Launch US. For us, it's, you know, it's, it's our main revenue generator. Average invoice, 28K. Everyone finishes in two weeks. So there's no three-month notice periods to wait for. People pay on time. It's just the best business if you can get it. Go and get it. Right, but yeah, we're going to get onto that. Harry, one thing that you, the team, business did that you think really created success for, for your business in 2022? I think it's got to be invest in L&D. Mm. Most important thing, invest in best practices, invest in your team, invest in your leaders, invest in... If you can upskill your leaders to the best way possible, they can help upskill their team as well. So I think we really focused on upskilling our leaders, putting them through the best L&D programs we could, upskilling your L&D people as well, to ensure that everyone has the right best practices and we can always stick to them throughout doing this job. Love it. Claire, one thing? Keeping it fun. Keeping it fun. Yeah. It must be fun, the amount of people. Yeah. Like. It, you know, like we, it gets tough recruitment sometimes. Again, it got a bit tough when the market got a bit sticky and it's just like, one day I just went into the office and let's just make it fun again, you know? Yeah. And I think... How do you make it fun? Just like celebrate little wins. Recruitment mm -hmm. can be fun if you make it fun. Be in the office. Like we're in the office nearly all the time. And I think it's so easy like to just sit behind your computer at home. Like that's not fun. Get in the office. Yeah, celebrate small wins. Be around your colleagues. It's simple stuff. But I think it's really important to remember. Enjoy the keep, journey. Enjoy the journey. The journey is the reward. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, that's it. Awesome. So when we get onto questions, feel free to ask these guys anything about this year. But let, let's just move it on to, for me personally, I don't know about you guys. It may not be relevant for everyone, but for me, I've definitely seen a trend in companies like yours, Ben, yours, Harry, and yours, Claire, in terms of being in the UK but recruiting in the US. I think that's definitely been a trend that I've definitely picked up on, on seeing. So I guess this is just, I guess, just paint a bit of a picture for all of you. I got these stats from PGC and I guess it just puts it into a bit of context. But I think what they shared with us, so a bit to what Ben was saying in terms of what they see in terms of the UK um, average fees anywhere, in terms of what they agree anywhere between 15 and 25% in the UK. But in the US, Ben, you, could, you guys can shed some light on this, but what PGC find is it can be anywhere between 25, maybe even up to 40% terms agreed. And seeing obviously deals be made of uh, 50K, dollars and above but also I think this is also crazy obviously you, the UK recruitment market is competitive and I think the way that they painted this was there are more recruitment agencies in the UK than there are in the US obviously let's just think how big the fucking US is and the UK doesn't even fit in Texas <laughs> so yeah that's like a crazy insight right so I guess let, let's just pick this off so Harry I'm going to come to you how long just get painted as a bit of a picture how long has the US journey been? Give us a bit of a timeline in terms of when did you start maybe doing US business and yeah, how long have you been doing it firstly? This podcast is proudly partnered with Vincere. Now, you should know by now that they are on the quest and their vision and mission is to be and become the operating system for growing recruitment companies. Well, you may or may not have seen, but I'm here to tell you that they've recently added another fantastic piece of kit to their overall amazing system. It's called Vineo. You can probably guess what it is. A lot of you, and for the last two or so years, have probably accelerated your use of video. So having a tool which is seamlessly in your uh, CRM, what you use every day to prospect candidates, prospect clients, to use video in, in your interview process, it's just going to make your life a whole lot easier. 
So just another amazing reason why you need to check out Vincere if you're looking for an all-in-one platform, the operating system that you need as you scale your recruitment business, then you have to consider Vincere. Use the link in the show notes. Because you're a Recruitment Mentors listener, you will get an exclusive discount and price. So use that link and you will not regret it. Yeah, so we, we started doing US business right from the start. We were just lucky enough that some of our clients needed help in the US and they needed help in Europe, right? So we naturally just did that. We are very heavily focused on the US, 65 to 70%, depending on the quarter, in terms of US business. We launched the US business in January. And the most important investment, again, is, you know... Wait, we hi- so, so January, as in, what do you mean? In terms of feet on the ground, boots location, on the ground, right, right. physical location, yeah. office in Texas. Okay, so that was January this year you did January that? January this year. Right, got it. Uh, we scaled the business to about eight or nine people. We invested again, L&D, in, yeah. the, in the US. We've got sales leadership from the UK moving over to the US to help mm. build and scale that out. So we were quite lucky that we always had a lot of business in the US. Right. But for us, it's about being on the ground going to meet these clients, jumping on a plane two hours, not 10 hours, 12 hours, whatever it may be, going to meet candidates. Like mm. we're in Austin, Texas, right? It's one of the biggest tech hubs there is right now in the US. And it's about that investment of people and time in that region that we've mm. seen the most success right now. Yeah, so I've definitely, let me just hit you with this question then. So th- this is um, a question from Alex Hutchins, which is basically just talking to what you said. Yep. So th- the question is, and um, you guys feel free to share this because I know, Claire, you just opened a New York office. Ben, yeah. you've got an office in New York, Austin, right? So the, the question from Alex is, and I know Alex, they're based in, in the UK, but did the US. So he said, in the North American tech market where 99% of vacancies are remote, what is the main benefit then of moving your UK recruitment team to the US when you factor in the associated increase in staffing and taxation costs? Don't know what you want to add to that. Like I think personally, it goes back to the, my point I made earlier, it's relationships. I think okay. you know, once you're getting those initial relationships face-to-face, being around the corner from a client and we pop around and see you, grab a coffee... That's how that initial relationship is built. Mm. And don't be wrong, you can definitely recruit the US from the UK. Like You definitely can. Mm. But for me, if you want to scale and properly grow a US business, you have to have boots on the ground. I also think it seems similar, UK to the States. I lived out there for five years. I remember when I opened our office in San Francisco, realising, OK, we kind of sound the same, kind of. Not really, but <laughs> ish. But it's so different. There's so many nuances. They do, you know, and, and even in the different states, people do business in different ways. The laws are completely different in different states, let alone in, in the US. There's a lot to understand that you think you kind of understand if you're here, but you don't. 401ks, the schooling system, even, you know, healthcare. Yeah, it's just a completely mm-hmm. different beast and you've got to be there to get it, to understand it. And American grads are different. The types of profiles you hire are different. I think you've just got to be there to get it properly right. And I think you can't be naive and just hope ship a couple of your, mm. your British recruiters out there and it's going to work like you do have to keep up setting they change the laws all the time mm. don't they yeah. so, so let me ask you this then Claire what works in the UK that doesn't work in the US like, in, like could be anything it could go as granular as you want being rude to people <laughs> <laughs> what works in the look in the UK everyone knows what recruitment is right mm. come out of uni people know what recruitment is they've got friends in recruitment brothers in recruitment it's an industry out there they're like Oh, I won't do the American accent, but... Give it a go if you want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to. You don't have to. Um, but they, you know, we advertise um, it as like sales, business development. It's different. People don't really get what it is. And my boyfriend's American. I've been with him seven years. And he's like, right, so candidates, they pay you to find them jobs. I'm like, no, that's, like, that's not what we do. Um, it's, it's just not... Headhunting maybe is a thing, but again, it's 
no one knows what it is. So I think it's, you have to really, that's different, is hiring grads is tough because mm. you've got to explain to them what on earth we do. And even when they join, sometimes they still don't quite get it for mm. a while. Okay. Ben, let me come to you then. Principles, what would you say from your journey so far? What would you say are some of the, the key principles to, to gaining traction in, in the US? Moving over there or doing it from the UK? Just, just as a whole, like, if you look out of the last 14 months, what do you think you've done well that's enabled you to, to gain traction yeah, in, think, in these places? I think with anything, pick a niche, pick, a, pick, a, you know, pick an area. Yeah. Uh, don't say, I'm going to recruit for the US and I'm going to do you know, full-stack developers. Like, you, mm. You've got to pick an area and really go for it. Understand the market, understand the laws of that market, build your candidate base, and get in front of your clients, I think is the most simple thing. It is still recruitment, it is still black and white, you know, in terms of what you need to do on a day-to-day basis. But as Claire said, you know, every single state you're in is completely different. Mm. So pick one, get to know it, get to understand it, fly over, have a holiday over there, get an understanding for it, and then just just make sure you own it. So just on that, this is part of Alex's question, then we'll move it on. He did also say, like, uh, so if you are moving to the US, what factors should you consider when deciding what state to set up in? The most common ones I've seen are the ones where you guys are Austin, Texas, New York, uh, also Miami, it seems like, as well. But yeah, we're talking about like Tampa is now one that's coming up in a lot of companies. So what, what, why do you choose Texas? As, I think as a business owner, it's, it, you're looking at the markets and where the revenues are. I think as a consultant, if you're looking to move over to the US, mm. I think you need to look at your lifestyle. Like New mm. York is London on crack. Like you mm. have to be able to <laughs> deal with that and, and love that life. London on crack? Yeah, that's New York. Yeah. Really? Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm too old for that now, by the way. Just, <laughs> this, is for, this is for this for you. Um, but, you know, Austin, very chilled, very nice, good vibes. I think for you, if you're a consultant, like, you need to go and visit these places. Like, go mm. and soak up and experience yeah. it. From a business point of view, you need to, if you're a business owner, you need to be looking at where you can get good talent. Good talent, you know, mm. you look at where the universities are. You're looking at, you know, New York, for example, is super expensive in terms of salaries, whereas your Austins, your, your Dallas's, your Tampa's, much more cost-effective in terms of getting good people in the door. Harry, obviously you've been doing it for a while. Obviously you have quite a few people there now. What, what's been your biggest challenge since expanding in the, in the US, do you think? Or really given that, like since January, what, what's been some of the biggest challenges specific around the US piece? I think firstly it's hiring the right people. Yeah. Really tough. I think the cultural difference between the UK and the US is, is huge. And I don't think anyone knows how big that is until you actually go and launch an office there. Mm. I think the biggest challenge for us is we didn't have sales leadership on the ground early enough. Right. right. So you're trying to manage the US business. You know, you have L&D, that's great, right? But that's not sales leadership. Mm. And for us to manage sales leadership from the UK for, you know, the last six months is really bloody tough. Mm. So I think that's been the, 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 you know, the biggest struggle. We've had the guys over in the US spend a lot of time over here in Europe to really bleed the, the, you know, the culture of the office and how we operate and what we do and the processes and everything that we put in place. Okay. Um, because without that, it's really tough. Nice. Right, let's, let's move this on to how you guys are thinking about 2023 and then we'll go to um, audience questions. So I guess firstly, obviously, Claire, you were talking earlier, like, yeah, I'm definitely having conversations with people, like people, a lot of people entered the recruitment industry in the last two years. So that, like you said, their experiences of working in recruitment are going to be very different to like, what we've experienced over the 10, 15. But like, how are you currently feeling about your current market at the moment going into 2023? Let's just start there. Yeah, good. I think... We've all learned a lot of lessons probably in the last six months of where we need to upskill and where we need to, to train and how we need to pivot. We need to make sure people can do business development mm. properly and adapt. So I think 
with all of those lessons going into next year, it's just getting better and better again. Now, it's never going to be what it was, I don't think. Well, maybe mm. it will be, but it, it was insane, right, 18 months ago or so. But I think it's only going to get stronger from here. So, yeah, feeling positive. We're opening an office, our office in New York. We've got one in Dallas now, but we're going big, big on the States. We're pretty much a US business just happened to be HQ'd in London. So okay. next year's all about that. So... Exciting. Ben, how are you feeling about? I'm, I'm feeling confident. We, we have amazing people. For me, this next one is just invest in my people, train, mm. retain, look after them, make sure they've got solid career plans, and just upskill, as Claire said, just as much investment in training as we possibly can. Because mm. it's a shifting market, right? And mm. so you, when there's a shifting market, you have to upskill and train your guys and inve- invest in them. Mm. Uh, so for me, that's the most important thing for the next 12 months. Cool. All right, Harry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you instead like, what are you doubling down on next year and why? Great question. What are we doubling down on? I think there is a shift in the market. Mm -hmm. So I think naturally companies may say, okay, cool, maybe we're going to slow down on the hiring because of the shift in the market. Maybe the the market isn't as buoyant as it was. For us, we're going hard on the hiring. Hiring senior people, hiring graduates, because the market is going to bounce back and it's going to come back, in my opinion, stronger than ever. Mm. So for us, it's investing in New people, scaling the business, keep going on the hiring, keep investing in the business. So then when that market shift comes back, we're ready. Ready, yeah. Claire, what are we doubling down on? Such a good question. I'm trying to think. What are we doubling down on? (laughs) I mean, we always double down on talent, right? We're always hiring more people. Like, we'll continue to keep... How do you do that, by the way? Because when I say that on LinkedIn... Hire 500 people at once. Um, Like, literally, how how many people do you have start on one day? What's been the most amount of people? 25. Right. Oh, I thought it was more. No, 25 I mean, grads. that's still a lot of people. <laughs> 25. Just one, is, yeah, just, just like one day, yeah, start on the same day. Three. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So across Storm. Across Storm. Oh, so seen... across the different brands. We had a day where I think we had 160 join in one. 160 people we start on the same we day? We staggered when they got to reception because we realised they'd be quite overwhelmed. So they turned up at different times with the poor reception okay, staff. Can I just ask you which probably people are thinking, if you can be honest with us. How many are ha- still left? Yeah, how yeah. many are fucking still there? <laughs> Because, like, let's just be real, that is absolute chaos. Three. Three. Um, no. That is absolute, um, like, genuinely, what, what do you reckon? We don't, look, I, I genuinely am saying this, like, we don't just do it for, we don't play it for the numbers game. That's just so naive. I've done this for too long. I'm not going to hire 25 people in the hope that yeah. a certain amount work out right. We're really, really strict on our hiring and have a pretty hardcore hiring process. So... Within my, my brand, I think it's probably about 30% attrition, okay. which is not bad. And, you know, the people, graduate recruitment, people are always going to leave because mm. no one knows what recruitment is when they're getting into it. They don't really know how hard it is. Mm. And what I would say in my team, no one's left to go to another recruitment firm. So they've gone and... Maybe they hate, you made them hate recruitment Maybe so not much. put them off that much, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think... Re- what are you doing to us, Claire? I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, of course people leave. That's, that's natural, but... No, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Because that must be crazy. Uh, crazy. It is, it's cra- but it's fun. But it's, just, it's hard to learn everyone's work, names. I'd work it? for you, Claire. Just put it Would you? You're a bit too old. <laughs> so we only hire grads. No, joking, joking. <laughs> joking. Cool. I get, Claire, let me ask you this then, because you were talking about this. So yep. what advice would you give the recruiters here who may have only known record-breaking quarters, which we always read and saw on LinkedIn for a good amount of time, and they've been used to getting a lot of yeses in the last two years, but yeah, going into what could be a lot more of a challenging market might already be there over the next three, six months. Like, What, what is your advice for those sorts of people in the room and the people that will listen to this back? I think you've just got to embrace, embrace the challenges 
And it'd be boring if it was easy the whole time, right? I think mm. you've got to look at the challenges. If you get an objection, you've got to look at, all right, how can I get around that? I think it's pretty simple advice, but I think, every, you know, everyone's smart. They get into recruitment because they want to learn. You've just got to, yeah, take a positive look at, at those challenges and think, okay, well, how can I learn? How can I be better? Or how can I do something differently? Or, and just ask for help. Mm. Really simple. Ask for help. Ben, this was a question from Leah Oates. What do you think will make 2022 different to 2023 in recruitment? 2023 different to 2022? Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a shift in the market. I think um, it's not going to be on a plate for you anymore, but... I mean, I was, t- I was talking to a girl in our London office today, uh, Prezo Jess, and she said, you know, if this gets harder, you know, what we're going to do? I said, Em, you made twice what the Prime Minister earned this year, right? <laughs> and she was like, no, I didn't. I was like, you, you did. Like, you made twice what the Prime Minister earned. And, I mean, Emma would be a great Prime Minister, but I don't think she's quite ready for it. But, you know, <laughs> this is still an industry where you can make a shit ton of cash at, like, 24, 25. So just embrace it. Like, you can still make fucking great money and have a great career and enjoy yourself. It's going to be a little bit harder. Mm. But, um, personally, I just, I love BD. Like, I fucking love it. I don't know why I'm sick. Um, but <laughs> I, I enjoy that part of it. Like, it's, the, it's one of the most exciting part so just enjoy the bd journey all right right so i've got a couple of questions that some of you submitted and then matt if you could help me out with a microphone in a second um and if any of you have questions put your hands up and matt will run around with a microphone so a couple of questions to kick this off so harry i'm gonna ask you this i'm not sure exactly how your your business operates but this question was from khalifa and the question is is the 360 model extinct absolutely not absolutely not absolutely not okay i think you need a few different types of models in a business to have a successful model. Mm. Not every skill set is a 360 skill set. Some people are great at 270. Their skill set is not hunting new business, but they're great at fucking expanding a company or a client. Mm. Now, some people are just great at delivery and you can make lots of money doing that. So absolutely not. And if anyone's a 360, I'm hiring, so um, give me a shout. But yeah, no, absolutely not. It, it's, and I think it's one of the best roles there is if, if that's what you want to do, mm. but it depends. Okay. Really on the skill set. Ben, Claire, any thoughts on that? Is, is, is the 360 model extinct? No, I don't think it is, but I do agree. I think certainly when I started in recruitment, it was your 360 or your shit. That was, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't say that, but people used to say right. that was the, what, that was the mindset, mindset yeah. of the industry totally at the time, right? right? Of that was the only way to do it. And even if you're really good at resourcing, but you struggle with your BD, well, you're not good enough, right? And I mm. think... It's really changed now. I do think 360 is brilliant, but as I said, it's an appreciation. For some people are brilliant at 270. I'm glad you did the maths there. 270 or right. 180. <laughs> What's the other one? 90. Yeah, 90. Um, 90? I haven't heard that before. It's 45. Yeah, just, it's the quarters. Get, get, get down to it. <laughs> Fuck, is 90? It's, it's, one of the, it's a quarter. It's okay. a quarter of 360. All right, so what are you doing? I don't know. I don't know what do you do You just speak 90? to people and then don't send the CVs. <laughs> yeah, maybe right, not fair. 90. Fair, yeah. yeah, I don't know what 90 is. Decent. I just wasn't trying to get my brain working but yeah i think it's all about us as owners recognizing people have different skill sets and that's why everyone's different and i think you need to play to their strengths if some people are brilliant at 360 then then let them do 360 if some people are brilliant delivery we have some incredible delivery consultants in our business who just nail it um i do think there is there's some really good examples of u.s businesses right now that are doing the 180 model Mm -hmm. And they are flying, mm. literally flying. I think you need to be a certain size of business in order to cope with it. I think you can't be like 10 or 15 people and, and have a 180 business. But I think there's definitely a model for it where it does work really well. It's a very American model, isn't it, 180? Mm. Yeah. Right, Claire, I'm definitely going to come to you with this question. Uh, this question was from Drew. 
when hiring grads, which you do a fuckload of, what are the non-negotiable behaviours you look for? You said your hiring process is pretty, pretty hot, mate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they've got to have work experience. They've got to have they've worked. Got to have work they've experience. got to have worked during uni. That's, they that, have to work during uni. That's that's a bit of a non-negotiable for me. They've had to, or or at some point, whether it's in a restaurant, in a mm. shop. You know, we hire graduates. It's red flags for me, and I apologise if anyone didn't work <laughs> when they were. You know, like I did. I did a paper round when I was like eleven. I don't know mm. what my parents were thinking, sending me out on a paper round at eleven years old. But in Bromley as well. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important that work ethic of it could be any. It could be, you know, doing your parents' gardening, getting paid like a tenner for it. Just some okay. kind of work ethic. I think for me that that's a bit of a non-negotiable. I always ask if they had a part-time job at uni. Okay. Um, fair. That's one for me. Anyone else? Like any non-negotiables yeah. that you always look for? I think for me, it's down on characteristics of an individual, right? If you're hiring a graduate, they may not have experience to mm. the working world. So it's really tough to make that hire based on that person. So you have to make the hire based on characteristics. Yeah. For me, the most important thing, or the most important two things, are obsession and character. Obsession. Okay. Lastly, you would do intelligence. But more importantly, you've got IQ and EQ. Okay. But emotional intelligence is the most important thing. You don't need to be super, super book smart, but if you've got a level of great EQ, obsessiveness, and you've got a great... Tough, like, this industry is pretty fucking tough. Mm. So you've got to be tough. And if you have those three things, I strongly believe you can, you can be great at this industry. What's an example of a grad being obsessed with something? Well, it's great. I think you would, you would have to look back at their personal life, right? Okay. So whether it's something they played sports to a high level, they're a mm. captain of a rugby team or a football team, or they excelled in something. Right. You know, I think you have to pick up these things. And by the way, it's not bloody easy to find that in an interview process. Yeah, yeah. But also you can see how they demonstrate themselves in an interview. Are they obsessed? Do they really want this fucking job? Mm. Or are they just speaking to five or six different people? Mm. So it's, it's tough, but it, once you get it, you, you'll be able to sort of understand how to get it out of someone. Cool, right. Final question for me, and then if any of you have questions, put your hand up, and then Matt will come to you. But this question is from uh, Oliver Perry. Ben, I'm going to come to you. Love this question. What is the most important thing you can teach a trainee recruiter in their first four weeks? Do you, do you, te- what, do you teach them anything? Yes. <laughs> Life skills. First four weeks. Um, most important thing. Good fucking Boolean search. <laughs> Um, hence source breaker in the back of the room yeah that will help if you're not using it plug I think for me in the first four weeks it's looking at attitude um, okay. and I think you know it's, it's how they're interacting with people being part of the team you know getting involved in training that's what we assess people on in the first four weeks is looking at their attitude so I mm-hmm. think just coming with a positive attitude a willingness to learn soaking up like a sponge as much as you can and if you're doing that kind of stuff then you should hopefully set yourself on the right journey nice Claire what, what do you guys look for or like yeah what's the most important things you're really trying to get through to the I people that you hire obviously there's so many different things you can teach in the, the first four weeks I think for yeah. me it's it's the mindset of don't take it first, don't take rejection personally. Mm, that's a good one. You know, and they'll get their first nose on day one, day two, and it's making sure you remind them this is normal. Mm. And a no is not always a no. A no is not always a no. No, a no is sometimes a yes. Mm. Yeah, some situations where a no <laughs> is a no, okay? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. But... <laughs> 
You have to be careful. I did say that to my team once, and they're like, "Really?" They're like, "Yeah." Oh. yeah, yeah. I said, "A no is a." No, uh, no, yes, a no. yes, no is yes. No, no, you can't say that, Claire. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's all about that. Is teach recruitment? Not taking about, it personally. Recruitment's all about rejection, and, and that's going to happen at every single point of your career. We mm. make it sound like it's easy going and winning all these clients. The amount of clients that, that reject us, mm. and you know, I think it's so. It's about remembering that because we tell them that in the interview, but then you come in your first day, you get told no, and you're going to get disheartened. So I think it's yeah, nice. and that's okay. Love that. Right, let's do some questions from the audience. Is, who's going to put their hand up? Matt, right, yes, right, perfect. Matt, go to whoever you're drawn to, mate. That's fair. Right, Matt's just... But, okay. Do you, want to, do you want to stand up just so we can see your, your wonderful face? Hiya. How are you doing? Hi. Hi, Michelle. <laughs> Hello. I just want to ask the question about business leaders who may tend to be of a certain age and how they are finding managing people who are younger and how you understand how Gen Z are motivated versus back in the day. I feel like this is aimed at me, by the way. I'm just going to put this out there. (laughs) Well, having started recruitment in 1997, when there was no LinkedIn, no smartphones, no emails, life was really different because when we walked out of the office, it might be late, but that was it. It was done, whereas now it's 24-7. So how are you motivating Gen Z when... They're motivated really differently and they've got things that are important to them that potentially we wouldn't even be aware of. So, yeah, when you're working with grads and the, the younger generation, how are you doing that? I'm, well, I'm 35 and I, so that's not Gen Z, is it? Well, it's definitely not Gen Z. No, no. I am older than the grads we hire and I think, it's, it's funny because when we do lots of incentives and when they first started, I kept doing incentives for Amazon vouchers and I was thinking... Cool. Brilliant. <laughs> Amazon vouchers. It's like 200 quid. And after a few weeks, I couldn't figure out why I was no one excited about it. And so I was, they're like, well, Claire, we don't, we, don't, we, we don't use Amazon. I'm like, what? And I went on my Amazon and things I bought and it was like bulk buying Hoover bags and stocks. <laughs> and, and then I realised, and then one of the guys at work, he did an incentive and he was incentivising them with gardening equipment. Shut I'm up. like, George. Gardening like, equipment. Because he loves gardening. But I was like, the crads. So I think we really quickly learned ask them what motivates them and the amount of escape room things i'm not really a escape roomer but there's so many different things things that you you can do i just realized i need to ask them what what incentives do you want what Mm. are you excited about because i realized yeah what so what 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 what, give us like top one two most common what did you learn from that by actually asking people that then they are incentivized to win because Mm. they actually want to win whatever that was any like common things that came up a lot from certain teams that they would really like incentives around. Loads of around. social stuff, I think. We, I've got to remember as well, the, you know, a lot of the grads are hired. Coming to work was the first kind of experience. that Well, they'd been at home for, mm. for you know, two years of their uni, right? So we do so many social things, but it's not just going to the pub. Just it's mashed. Yeah, escape rooms. Everyone's <laughs> getting mad. You said that, not me. Um, <laughs> escape rooms, immersive experiences... They love stuff like that, just activities. And there are so... I can't, we never had any of this as when, mm. when I was younger. The amount of fun things to do. But yeah, my, okay. my lesson was maybe just ask them what they want. Ben, anything to add? How have you found... I'm 42. Um, <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. Um, um, no, um, for me, I mean, first of all, I've got a really good management team underneath me who are younger, so that massively helps me. I got back on the tools this year, built 400k, thanks. Um, and just because I had to be relevant, like I didn't want to be there, like, who's this fucking old get to me how to recruit? Like, I had yeah. no idea. 
So I did that, and then we fucking love a pulse survey, Jess. There's like a pulse survey every week. Like, what do you guys want to do? Like, what incentives do you want? Nice. Not everyone wants to go in the piss. Like, some people don't yeah. want to go and get smashed. Some people want to... I know it's crazy, right? But some people don't want to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, as, as Claire said, absolutely the same. Like, cater for everyone and, and do different incentives based on what other people want. And just, like, listen. Just, like, ask them what they want and then make a change and make a difference. But yeah, just nice. listen to them. Awesome. Who, who else has a question? Michelle, great question. Matt over here, mate. I'll stand up. Hey, mate. <laughs> I'm Alex, by the way. I work for EXP Talent, who are the best Rex wreck in London. Wow. Oh, come on. <laughs> Selfless plug. <laughs> Fucking hell. Put some money behind the bar. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, so my question is, so <laughs> yeah. it was mainly to Claire, but it was, I'm happy to go to, you know, the rest of the audience. So some of the stuff Claire said is a lot of stuff I believe in, which is get on the phone, work hard, have fun. Right. Now, what, in my opinion, not a lot of people do is make cold calls anymore. It's a lot of emailing, a lot of specking out CVs, all that sort of stuff. So, Claire, as a modern-day recruiter, what would your structure of a cold call be? And oh, then wow. To the rest of the audience. Should we do a role-play? Yeah. No. <laughs> wow. Wait, so what's the question? What's her, what's How her... would you structure a cold call in the to modern like client to a can... industry? No, no, I'm not <laughs> Mate, you're recording it. <laughs> I'll be the client. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the question. Small tip would be... I know you shouldn't really do this, but always email. Um, I used to do this when I was hands-on. I would always email on like bank holidays or public holidays because you get that out of office and then you get their mobile phone. Okay. So small tip. So you see, yeah, I do that all the time. And then I just collect their, their phone numbers. So I think keep it short and sweet. Mm. Um, get to the point. I, I say this to my team. I don't think anything changes. We get, you know when you get cold called from whoever? Mm. Remember when you called me and I thought you were an estate agent? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't very fun. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, but um, I think getting to the point, I think well, there's so much out there now online and like how to do sales and ask how the weather is and how is today and all that kind of stuff. But I think get to the point, hi, my name's Claire. You know, I specialise in placing senior data scientists in health tech, whatever it might be. I think just getting to the point, mm. have you got two minutes to have a quick chat? I think nothing changes. Remembering people are busy, get to the point, don't fluff. Okay. Yeah, sorry, did you? I wasn't going to no, do a full role play, but I think Adam that's Mark's it. Question. Keeping it short, sweet, introducing yourself and saying I only need two minutes of your time. Mm. If they're going to hang up on you, they're going to hang up on you. Yeah, yeah. And just, if you can, still try and like, commit to more time to speak if they're busy. Harry, you got any... Uh, I feel like you're... Like, I consume a lot of content in like, this ass word, so I feel like there's a lot of good advice around there. I think the first, the first point is make it warm. Make it warm. Don't make it straight away cold because that's the tough piece. Yeah. Right? So whether that's you sending them a LinkedIn message ahead of the, the cold call or mm. whatever it may be or a connection request. But on that conversation, you always want to make it referenceable and relatable. If you can make it those two things, that yeah. conversation is automatically going to go better. Whether they know somebody that you know, whether you've done business in a similar ecosystem, technology, whatever it may be. But if you can make it relatable and referenceable, that conversation is naturally going to be better than, hey, I'm Harry from Rama, you don't know me, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's yeah. really tough. Mm. Okay, fair. I think just have, have a reason to call as well, right? Yeah. Okay, you've got everyone's on LinkedIn. Click on insights on the company. You can see how they've grown in the last 12 months. Mm. Just even just saying that, like, I can see you guys have grown by like 120% in the last six months. That's unreal. Or the event invite or yeah. just something. Google them. On, see if they've got crunch base. See if they've had a recent investment. Just have a reason to call. Yeah. Nice. Uh, let's do... Two, three more questions and we'll go. There's a few more hands. Matt, go to whoever you want to. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh, Matt, next time I'm coming to the front. Yeah, that's fine. 
So well, I'm not making any friends here. Hello. Hey. I'm Georgia from Wiser Elite. My question is how, like, the best way to deal with any people that you might manage or, like, junior team members that haven't been through the hard times in recruitment yet. Like, a lot of us have been in recruitment a long time. We've been through the waves and, like, ridden the roller coaster, and that helps us to be more mentally prepared for these times. For the people that haven't been through it, like, what's the best way to deal with them or, like, the advice that you would give them? Claire, I feel like you've literally been doing this, right? Great question. Yeah, great question, yeah. Yeah. I think... I mean, I'm fortunate now, even though it's not a huge amount of time, but we've got 18... We've been around for 18 months. So for some of my newest grads, there's still people that have been there a little bit longer. So it sounds sounds a bit crazy, but in, in my head, I have... You know, we've got the person that started and blanked for seven months and is now a top biller. And there's him, you know... His name's Alex, but and he's amazing, and he's that example of that person. Like, there's, I remember the stories of all the different people that have struggled on different things, and it's like in my head of who those people are. So there's always someone to reference because I have to remember as well. It's easy for me to talk about I've been there. They don't care. That was so many years ago. I'm not in the thick of it. So I always try and figure out right who's the person with just six months more experience who's been exactly where they are, and we're fortunate now. We've got enough people. So it's just remembering that I, at the beginning, I wrote it down. I wrote the names of the different people to make sure I didn't forget. And, and then just connect to them and, and, and asking them, look, do you mind taking so-and-so for a coffee? Because it sometimes feels it's going to be more powerful for me as their leader to have that arm around their shoulder, but it's not. It's way more useful, the person that's sat next to them. So using the, yeah, using the stories internally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely hear that. I think everyone's sort of been there where like, yeah, if I sat down with you and you're like, no, look, I've been there, then I'm like, Claire, fuck off, you've been doing it for 10 years. Exactly. Like, it's so easy for you to exactly. say. Exactly. But like you said, if it's someone six months ahead of you, it's way more yeah, relatable. Yeah, you've got to kind of remember who's, who's the right people and think strategically who's that right person for that mm. person because it's not, it's got to be the same, it's got to be the right story. Otherwise it could just mm. land flat. So use your, yeah, use internal stories. Yeah. Ben Harry, anything to add to that? I think stop reading the Daily Mail because it will fuck your head stop up. Stop reading the Daily yeah, Mail. Yeah, absolutely. I think Claire's right. It's just, for me, it's just championing champions. Like, who are the yeah. best people in your business right now? Because they're the ones doing it right now and just champion those guys as much as you can. And nice. they're, they're your example, Sessas. Harry, have you, I don't know, how you, have you had this internally? Have you, have you approached it? Yeah, I think everyone's probably had it. I think they'd be lying if they say they haven't. But I think honesty comes into it. Mm. You know, it's going to be a tough three to six months if you're in tech. If you're not, maybe not. But it's going to be it's going to be tough right and i think the biggest thing for me is don't deviate from the process and strategy that you have i think people tendence you know usually have a tendency to want to skip out a step because they get a little bit more desperate with a client or mm. they want to negotiate a client's terms that are slightly less or whatever it may be so i think the biggest things right now is to stay with the process do not deviate and just keep you know influencing them you know and, and keeping everyone you know, motivated through giving them wins when they can, et cetera, yeah. and trying to keep everybody as, you know, as pumped as possible at all times. Nice. Uh, let's do one more question at the front. And then, I mean, yeah, maybe two. We'll do two more questions. Hi, Molly. Um, Hello. There's going to be a recession. <laughs> oh, fucking hell, steady on. There's going to be a recession. Okay. And three things are going to happen. Companies are going to die. Companies are going to survive. And then companies are going to thrive. So we all want to thrive. We don't want to die. So what would you do? What's the one thing you're going to do with your business to make sure that you thrive in that situation? Nice, Cheers. man. Who said there's going to be a recession? <laughs> Boris Johnson. Everyone. <laughs> the, the Get with it. Now, mate. I think, like, as I said, I'm, I just don't believe there is going to be. So, 
right. Stay positive. Stay positive. I think the minute the minute you start thinking, sorry, I'm not. That was a really good question, but I'm maybe, just, maybe we change that from recession to downturn. Downturn. Mm. All right. Can I have to think about it? Can I go somewhere else? Okay. Double down your people. So invest in your people, train your people, give them the skills to survive through whatever's coming. If it's a recession, if it's not a recession, look after your existing clients. Like make sure you put your arm around your existing clients and keep hold of them and then win new business tickets. Those three things for me is all I'll be focusing on. Harry, what are you saying? He works for us, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, he's, I don't know. He might not have asked you that in the office. Well, what do you think, Ollie? All right. Oh. All right. Uh, Claire, have you got... Anything? What were the, my three options? No, it's up to you. Oh. So, like, what's, what would, like, what are you going to focus on so you thrive yeah. rather than die? I think or... it's just not panicking, not changing strategy too much, and okay. just, yeah, just, yeah, downturn is going to be tough. But we don't need to change markets. We don't need to change the way we need to get better at how we recruit, but just keep doing what you're doing because keep changing things. That doesn't work. Just keep focusing, and we're all good recruiters. Everyone works, I assume, for good companies. Like, it will all be fine. Okay. Let's do one more question, Matt, if that's okay. Hey, I'm Liv. I work at Benetrix. Uh, my question to you guys is, I'm in my first year in recruitment. So if you guys could give your younger selves a top tip for when you first start out, what would it be? Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> who wants, who wants, Harry, what are you saying? Let's go there. We'll go you, mate. Okay, what would I do? What would the, the be, yeah, top advice be to your younger self? I think for me it was, when, when I just relate it to myself, when I first started out in the first year, it was, there's a couple of things. I think firstly it was, I would literally speak to anybody and everybody and I would try and create as much of a brand as I possibly could. And you later find out you wasted your time with a lot of people, but you actually then learn who's good and who's not and who are the right companies to be targeting and who aren't. But I think characteristic-wise, obsession is the most important thing for me that I found is you've got to be obsessed with your market. You've got to be obsessed with your clients. You've got to be obsessed with your business, your brand, and how you operate. Be obsessed with the process. And honestly, just keep going because my first year was fucking hard. And, you know, I think there's so many times in the first year of recruitment you want to quit so many times over. But if you keep going, it will turn good at some point if you follow the right process and you have the right people around you. Love it. Ben? I think, first of all, make sure you're working for the best guy. I love Venetrix. I love you on the socials. Very good. Big fan. But I think make sure you're working for the right company so you've got a good vehicle that allows you to achieve your goals. So for me, having a company that gives you equity or the best training or surrounding yourself by the best people in the industry so you can learn, I think is super, super important. I think Harry's words, absolutely, you're going to have the shittest times. Like You're going to have the worst times. But just stick with it because we're all sat up here not doing badly, I don't think, earnings-wise. So you just stick with it and you will get there you'll have a great career it's one of the funnest jobs i feel very lucky to say i love this industry so fucking much it's one of the funnest jobs you'll ever do great career progression great earnings just stick at it yeah Woo, nice. nice. um matt matt let's do one more we'll do one more question sorry oh, there's I a few to, I people did have a good oh, sorry, point. sorry. I no because i was thinking about my answer to what what to live yeah or to no because i was actually gonna say okay as a female you're a female I'm a female. Good observation. Yeah, <laughs> just make sure. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. but I think I get asked this question quite a lot and I think it's an important answer. Like, as when I started as a grad, as a female, in, let's face it, recruitment is still 
male-dominated. Yeah, you're up with three guys, mate. At senior level, it is. It yeah, still sure. is. And we Women can... are some of the best recruiters, I think you'll find. There you go. But it is. Like, let's not dance around the subject. Yeah. The majority of CEOs, leaders, founders in recruitment, they are still men. Yeah. And... <laughs> Stand up. Who was that? Who was that? No. Okay. But I think if I could talk to 21-year-old Claire, it's... Like, it's not a man's world, like, and you can progress as a female. When I joined, I didn't see any females, senior mm. females. Didn't see any pregnant females, certainly mm. not. And so seek, that seek was, role models. Seek role models. Seek role models, role models and yeah. don't think, well, just because, you know, and there's, there are some companies that have a load of females, right? But let, yeah. let's face it, that's not the reality of the industry. But I, I think don't have limited beliefs because of your gender. Yeah, yeah, fair. Nice. Right, let's do, uh, we'll do one more question. Matt, that's all right, sorry, we'll just do one more. Let's... I'm Jo, I'm director at Ion Search, Global Rectorac. Oh, <laughs> the flex. I suppose this is more focused at you, Claire, but it's a panel question. You've had, well, Storm in general has had a defo, a different found in the most recruitment companies, and you're now the new grad factory as such, like you used to be Hayes and Page. The level that you're hiring is insane. So what's more important to you now, headcount or revenue because of the backing that you've got? And the context is you, you guys have been backed by VC, right? Yeah. Is it, yeah, okay. Yeah. So we, you know, we're very fortunate to, to launch with investment, right? A lot mm. of companies wait a certain amount of years, get the first amount of investment. We, we raise money at the outset to allow us to, to grow so quickly. I think what's important now is it's not just headcount growth for headcount headcount growth sake right, I think yeah. we've done a lot of the headcount growth we've got a lot of the good people it's now investing in them and developing them I don't we're not going to be doing the crazy crazy numbers that you've seen in previous years next year it's going to be steady it's going to be growth still going to be high I don't think we're going to be doing 25 people at a time it will be 15 and it's all about inv yeah investing in the, the growth and the people that we've hired so far okay there we go Joe thank you I love how we're a factory yeah <laughs> No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is mental. Um, well, let's have a round of applause for the Ben, Claire, and Harry. Um, but yeah. There we go. Um, thanks, everyone. Feel free to stay for a little bit longer, but thank you so much for coming. And thank you. Thank you, Sham. Thank you. Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? If you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. And we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. <laughs>